Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, please. All right, as we find our places and we into John chapter 12, I want to direct your attention to verse 1 and verses 1 through 9 really um, will be our text this morning. The Bible says in verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying, Hath she kept this? For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. There's several different things that we could draw out of this passage here. We could focus in on a couple of different characters and so on. Um, I've actually always appreciated this particular story. The parallel passages for this are in Mark chapter 26, excuse me, Mark chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 26. And we'll flip back and forth in just a little while to some of those. But I've appreciated this story here mostly because it shows and demonstrates this total surrender and this love that Mary has for the Lord Jesus Christ that nobody else in this scene has. And there's this heart of love and surrender for her that is just so, it's so raw, and it's just completely uh, bare here, and it's just, she doesn't care what anybody else thinks. She loves the Lord with all of her heart. And then we can note that she takes something that is of great earthly value, and she gives it all up, and she empties it all out for the Lord. And this shows the kind of heart that she had. In contrast to that, you see others in this scene and how they viewed what she did. We saw how Judas said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? In other of the Gospels, it is mentioned that that people uh, had indignation against her for what she did. They criticized her for what she did. I think that shows their heart for the Lord as well. They thought that what she had done was a waste, something that was overboard, something that was extravagant, not worth it. In Mark 14 and verse 4, the Bible says there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? I think it's really interesting that it, you see the 
the contrasts in these people's hearts toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about extravagant worship. Extravagant worship. The word extravagant is something that is defined like this. Number one, spending too much, characterized by spending excessively or wastefully. It could also be defined as this, beyond what is reasonable, exaggerated. Another definition of extravagant is flamboyant, profusedly or exaggeratedly decorated, showy. It has the idea, the word extravagant has the idea of going overboard or doing too much. And that's exactly what some people thought Mary did for Jesus. They thought that what she did here was excessive, that it was over the top, that it was simply too much, it was extravagant, or it was something wasteful. In Matthew 26, in verse 8, the Bible says, But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. What they were saying is that what Mary did to Jesus was absolutely a waste. That what she gave to him was too much. It was extravagant. It was excessive. It was wasteful. It could be put to better use. That's what they were saying. Now, I would be the first to agree that many things in our society are extravagant. You know, when you hear somebody spending $2 million on a wedding, I think that's a little extravagant. It's over the top. It's too much. When you hear of somebody spending $10,000 for one night in a hotel room, I think it's a little extravagant, and maybe that's relative to how much money I have compared to uh, how much they have, but it's still extravagant. You know, uh, spending $250,000 on a car, that's a little extravagant in my mind. And we could go on and on and on telling of things that we think are extravagant. The word extravagant often has negative connotations to it. For example, when people take the blessings that they've been given by the Lord, the talents and the gifts that they've been given by the Lord, the, the absolute grace and mercy of God that they've been given by the Lord, just so much in this life, and they take it and they squander it on themselves. For example, like the prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15 and verse 13, the Bible says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. I, I did a little bit of study on that word riotous. Riotous living. And the word means excess. It means reckless extravagance. He took all the blessing that he had, and he squandered it on himself with reckless extravagance. That's wasteful. That's a shame when people do the same with the blessings of God. The word extravagant has negative connotations to it. But I would say this to you. When a person expresses their love and worship for Jesus Christ in an, in an extravagant manner, there is nothing negative about that. 
After all, the Lord is worthy of everything that we could ever render to Him. Because all we have comes from Him anyway. All we are is from Him. He deserves everything. And I would say this. People thought that what Mary did here was extravagant. It was wasteful. It was too much. But no gift is excessive for the Lord. No expression of love is over the top for the Lord. No form of worship should be considered too much to give to Jesus Christ. And so I want to take a few minutes and look at this passage of Scripture here because I think the worship that Mary offers up to the Lord has a whole lot to teach us about our own worship that we ought to be rendering unto the Lord. We're going to consider three main things in this passage and preach on the subject of extravagant worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help me, Lord, to convey truth, the truth of God's Word to your people. And Lord, give us a sense today of how wonderful you are and what we owe you. And Father, may our hearts be drawn to you in love and worship. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest upon this place here. Lord, that your will is done uh, through your word and your spirit tonight, today. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want you to note with me in verse 3, the first part of verse 3, the expense of her worship. It was extravagant. In verse 3, the Bible says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. The expense of her worship was extravagant. The word ointment here is a Greek word that basically means myrrh. You've heard of it before. Essentially what it was was a perfumed oil. The word spikenard is, is basically what it's saying and what it means <coughs> is that it's the genuine thing. It's trustworthy. It's not an imitation. All right, so you see, uh, you, can, you can go out and you can <clears throat> go have a, uh, a crab leg dinner, but you can have imitation crab. It's not the real thing. It's not like uh, Alaska king crab and so on. This is the real thing. That's what the word means. It wasn't, it wasn't an imitation, it wasn't a knockoff, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, the, the, the colognes, the cheap perfumes, you know, that, that have the, the name. It's not a knockoff, it's the real thing. And then the Bible says it was very costly. That word, or that phrase, simply means extremely valuable of great price. And so, the Bible says that she took this myrrh, this perfumed oil. It was the genuine thing. It was not an imitation. It was extremely valuable. It was of great price. And she took that and she anointed the feet of Jesus. Now, if you go over to Mark chapter 14, just keep your place here. And go to Mark 14. <clears throat> Again, parallel passage here. Same account, same story. It gives us a little bit more detail. In chapter 14 and verse 3, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box 
and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Now notice here in Mark that the Bible says that she had an alabaster box and she broke the box and she poured it on his head. Now I'll get to this in just a little bit. John records that she anointed his feet. Matthew and Mark only record that she poured it on his head or anointed his head. There's not a contradiction there. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So you note here that she broke the box and poured it out. We also note that its value, its price, was probably at least 300 pence. So how costly was her worship? How costly was what she did to the Lord? Well, the ointment was valued at at least 300 pence. You have to understand this, that one pence or penny, if you will, was equal to the average daily wage of a worker. One. One penny was equal to the average daily wage of a worker. And so you multiply that out, it was valued at at least 300 pence. It probably uh, valued at what would be an average person's salary for an entire year. That's the value of what she costly. It was very costly. I did some looking at what is the average median income in America. And it has the income index that you can look up and it does it but year by year by year. And last year in 2021, the, the income index, the average median income for someone in America was, was, was just under $56,000. Essentially, that's what, in today's terms, this would be valued at. The point is, is that what she did, she took something of great earthly value and she poured it out on the Lord. The spikenard was produced by, uh, uh, from a rare plant that grew in India. It was something that was very hard to acquire. It wasn't something you could just go down and buy at the local store. It was very, very expensive. And what she did with it was she took it and she broke it open and she poured it all out on the Lord. This type of ointment was typically intended to be saved and it was intended to be used for a person's own funeral. People would save for many, many years to acquire this. The breaking of that box might have had something to do with some of the customs of, of burial rituals in the Middle East. That's quite possible after the body of a deceased person had been washed and had been anointed, that box that contained the embalming spices was usually broken, and the fragments were buried with that individual. That, there could have been some significance to that in this situation. Jesus makes note of the fact that she intended to anoint his body aforehand. 
He said in Mark 14 and verse 8 that she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And we could, we could look at all of those things and we could say perhaps those things were in Mary's mind. Perhaps there were some custom things. Perhaps, you know, there was, there was all of these things in her mind. Maybe she broke that vessel, though, so that she could extract every single drop of ointment to use it on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, what am I saying here? I don't know the exact reason she did everything that she did. But one thing is very, very clear. Mary gave everything that she possessed to the Lord Jesus Christ because she loved him. And there's an application to this. And the application is this. Have we broken the alabaster box of our life and poured out ourselves every drop for the Lord? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 here with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in verse 1. In this context here, the Apostle Paul is writing... Of course, to the church in Corinth, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia, particularly probably Philippi, and he's talking about how they were able to give above and beyond what was even reasonable because they didn't have much. And he says in verse 1, <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he says, I want you to know about what God has done through His grace for these churches in Macedonia. Philippi was one of the main ones. And he says how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He's talking about the collection of an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Paul had written to all these churches. The saints were suffering. They were uh, persecuted. And, and he was taking up a collection from churches to, to give an offering to these people to help them out. That's what he's talking about here. And the church in Corinth had promised a year ago that they would give to this very thing, but they hadn't yet. And so Paul is saying, hey, here's an example, and I want you to know what God has done through His grace through the churches of Macedonia. They were afflicted. They are in deep poverty, and yet they were joyful and abounded in their giving. He says in verse 3, For to their power I bear record. That means to their ability they gave. Yea, and beyond their power, beyond their ability, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So he says, even to their ability they gave, they only had this much, and then way beyond their ability, they were able to give because of the grace of God bestowed on them, even to the point that they were saying, Paul, you've got to take what we have. And Paul might have been like, hey, look, uh, you guys are poor. You don't have anything. You might need that next week. We don't care, Paul. You've got to take what we're offering, what we get. You've you got to take it. We're giving it. And then he says in verse 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, 
meaning this is far beyond what we were expecting, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The reason that these churches had no problem giving beyond their ability and sacrificing was because they had first given their own heart to the Lord. And friend, we should look at our lives and we should ask ourselves if we've given everything that we have and are to Him. Mary sacrificed, but her sacrifice was simply the expression of her love and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. She gave all that she had. And the Bible says that Jesus said, she's done what she could. What am I getting at? I'm getting at this. We should think about this seriously. Because what have we really given to Him? And what have we held back for ourselves? Sometimes the Lord is going to ask us to give up some things. Sometimes the Lord is going to call upon us to relinquish control and to let things go and to give some things up that we might consider to be valuable. But the truth is, no price, no gift, no thing could be too extravagant or too much to give up for the Lord. The cost of her worship was extravagant. She gave all that she had. She broke it and she poured it all out, even something that was, quote, valuable. You know, there are things that we want to hold back for ourselves. We want to say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to please you. But there's this thing over here that I really do want to keep for myself. That's not a heart of full surrender to the Lord. Mary broke it and poured it all out. Something of great value because there was nothing more valuable than Christ to her. But then I want you to see, go back to our text, because I want you to notice the expression of her worship. Not just the expense of her worship, but the expression of her worship. This was also extravagant. In verse 3, again, look at the second part of verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The expression of her worship was extravagant. Now notice that she anointed his feet with this oil, and she wiped his feet with her hair. Now both Mark and Matthew, in their accounts, they record that she anointed his head. And what is at hand here is not a contradiction in detail. Rather, there's a complementing of detail. The fact was is that she did both. She anointed his head and his feet, and John only records the feet. And I think that's very interesting. Because what is implied here is utter submission and worship of Christ by Mary in anointing his feet and wiping. 
wiping his feet with her hair. The entire house was filled with the odor of this perfume. But what we're seeing here, and remember, why did John write the Gospel of John? What was the main thrust in it? It was to highlight and show the deity of Jesus Christ. John only records that she anointed his feet and that she wiped his feet with her hair. Imagine the position that Mary would have had to be in in order to wipe his feet with her hair. What kind of a position was it? It was prostrate. It was bowing before him. And Jesus received that worship from her. That's what's implied. In this one moment of time, Mary was making a great statement of surrender. Mary would have assumed a prostrate, kneeling position near the Lord in order to anoint His feet with ointment. And I like to believe this. I like to believe that Mary was making a statement concerning who she believed Jesus to be. Do you know there were only four, there were four classes of people that were anointed in those days with oil? It was kings, it was priests, and it was prophets. You can look in the scriptures and find that out. The fourth class is dead people. I believe that by her act of worship, Mary was acknowledging Jesus to be all of those things to her heart. And certainly he was all of those things. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king of kings. He was dead, and he's alive forevermore. Amen? That is what Mary believed about Jesus, and she demonstrated her surrender to him as all of those things by her act of love and worship. I think it's really interesting that Mary was more in touch with who Jesus was than his own disciples were. She was absolutely surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was an expression of love from a surrendered and a thankful heart. Now here's the application. What about us? Are we as surrendered and thankful as Mary? Does the life that you live reveal you kneeling before Him as absolutely Lord and God of your life? Listen, we should be so grateful for all that He's done for us that we are as unashamed in our expression of our love and worship for the Lord. Why is it that we assign value to things in this life? And then we take those things that we've assigned value to and we exalt them and lift them up as the most important thing. A heart of love and surrender to the Lord because of what He's done is going to be like Mary. Nothing is more valuable than you. I'll surrender it all. I'll give it all up for you. And I'm not ashamed to express my love for the Lord. It's pride in the life that keeps us from rendering the Lord the worship that He is due. But pride in the life should die, friend. We ought to show a lost world that we're not ashamed to worship Christ. We're not ashamed to be a witness for Him. 
or work for the glory of the Lord who died in my place to set me free. We ought to live that kind of a life. I'm not ashamed to be a witness for Christ. I'm not ashamed to speak of His name because I love Him for what He's done for me. But it's pride in the life that usually causes us to hold back. That needs to die, friend. Her expression of worship was extravagant. She anointed his feet. She bowed before him. She wiped his feet with her hair. And it didn't matter who saw it. Now, there's some customary things with maybe with a woman having her hair out or using uh, her hair to wipe his feet. We're not, we don't get into all that kind of stuff. I think the main point is, is that she did what she did because she loved him. And it didn't matter who saw. I want you to note back in verse 3 again, thirdly, the enlargement of her worship. It was extravagant. I hope this is connecting with you this morning because we owe the Lord so much. He's so good to us and we can be so unthankful and ungrateful. But I want you to note this, verse 3 again. The Bible says that she anointed his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And here is the enlargement of her worship. It was extravagant. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, follow this thought. Mary appears center stage three times in the Gospels, in all the Gospel record. Every time that you see Mary, she is doing the very same thing. She's always found at the feet of Jesus. The first time is in Luke chapter 10 at her own home. You remember that story because Martha is all busy and she's cumbered about with much serving and, and she wants Mary's help, you know, uh, preparing all this stuff. But Mary is found sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. And Jesus said that, that part's not going to be taken away from her. She's chosen the good part. The next time you see her is at Lazarus' tomb. In John chapter 11, we read that this last week, that, that passage where, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The Bible tells us that when Jesus came, Mary runs to Jesus and she bows at his feet in supplication. And then the last time is here. In John chapter 12, in verse 3, and again, we find Mary at the feet of Jesus. She offers her worship to him because of what he means to her. And as we see Mary in all of these occasions, it's really easy for us to witness the enlargement of her heart for worship and love of the Lord. In Luke 10, she's sitting at his feet. She's learning. She's hearing God's word. In John 11, she's at his feet and she's leaning, wanting to experience his work, his power. And here she's at his feet as one who is loving. She's declaring his worth. And I think it demonstrates, listen, the kind of steady progress that should mark the life of every child of God. 
As we mature in the Lord, as we learn from His Word, as we experience His hand in our life, we lean on Him, we experience His work in our lives, we should learn to love Him more and more, more than anything, the longer that we're saved. You know what? It's disturbing to not really see much for spiritual life and growth in one who says that they're saved, and especially if they've, saved, they've been saved for some time. It's really disturbing to view someone's life like, oh, I'm saved, oh, I love the Lord, but you don't see anything in their life that says they're growing in love with their Savior. I don't care if you come to church. I don't care if you sing in a choir. I don't care. That is not a demonstration of my love for the Lord. I mean, it can be a part of it, but it's not the thing that proves it. Where's the spiritual life that just emanates from you that you love Christ? That He's more to me than anything else. And it's evidenced by my devotion to Him. By the heart that just comes out because he's precious it's disturbing where is the evidence of life is your love and your worship growing deeper and deeper as the days go by i want to say lord i don't I am not perfect and I fail, but Lord, I sure, I sure want to love you more. I sure want to do a better job. I sure want to please you more. I want to come to places where there's more surrender in my life, and I want to come to places where there's nothing that's more valuable than you. And if you ask for that, I'll give you it. I'm not going to hold it for myself because I trust you. And I love you. I want to. But we assign value to things that are temporal things. And as evidenced by the life we live, those are the things that are the most valuable. Here was a woman who loved the Lord more than anything. She bowed herself before him. She opened up her heart to him. And then she opened up her hands and she gave all that she had in humble, intense worship of the Lord. Why could she give all that she had? Because her heart was already given to the Lord. She was making a statement about her commitment to him. When she broke that box, there was no going back. There was no taking it back. The entire contents of that vessel would need to be used up. Her commitment to him was unconditional. It was complete. There's no going back. She was making a statement about her value, about his value to her. She had probably saved her entire life to be able to purchase that box of ointment. She was probably saving it for her own burial. And when she broke it and she poured it out, she was telling Jesus, you mean more to me than anything in the world. She was making a statement about her value to herself. She bowed before him. 
She was demonstrating that Jesus meant more to her than her own reputation. Others murmured against her. Others had indignation against her. You're wasting this. She loved him with an extravagant love, and everything that she possessed was his anyway. She loved the Lord more than she loved her things. She loved the Lord more than she loved her things. She was making a statement about the value of her possessions. To Mary, nothing in the world was more valuable to her than Jesus. She loved him more than anything else. And she was making a statement about his worthiness to be worshipped. Why did Mary do this? Why did, why did she feel it necessary? Why did it come to her mind to take this expensive perfume and anoint the head and the feet of the Lord Jesus? Well, I believe she did it because she was thankful to the Lord. She was thankful because, first of all, He was her Redeemer. He had saved her soul. She was thankful for raising her brother from the dead. She was overwhelmed with love for Him that she willingly gave up all that she had in a selfless act of worship. When Mary poured out that ointment on the head and the feet of the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know, everybody there was a part of that experience. They watched it. They smelled it. They benefited from it. There was no denying that Mary was giving her all in an effort to honor the Lord. She didn't give a common gift. That wasn't the normal thing. She didn't give out of her abundance. She didn't part with what cost her little or nothing. We'll do that so often in our effort to serve the Lord. We'll part with, we're willing to part with the things that don't cost us very much. Our offerings to Christ cause, Christ's cause too seldom in this respect resemble hers. And you know what? We've probably never really done what we could for the Lord if our service has not been costly to us. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our will. I'm talking about all of the things that make us who we are. But if we give our hearts to the Lord first, it's going to be a natural thing for us to render to Him offerings that are fit expressions of our consecration to Him. Friends, I'm closing with this. It honors the Lord. It honors the Lord when His people express their love for Jesus Christ in extravagant ways. We should consider no gift too excessive. We should look at no sacrifice as being too much or too great. 
And the bottom line and the question that you just need to ponder this morning is this. Has the vessel of your life been broken? Is the worship of your life being poured out at the feet of Jesus? And really, does the fragrance of your love for Him, does that permeate your life? Why don't you examine your own life? Do you really love the Lord with all of your heart? Mary did. And it showed in her expression to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you just help us to see you in a new light. And may we have a willing heart to truly examine my, our life. Lord, help me to love you more. To come to the place of full surrender. That there's nothing that I'm going to hold on to if you ask for it. There's nothing that I'm going to value more than you. And because I love you, <clears throat> I can trust you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our love relationship with the Lord. And may it permeate our life and influence others. In Jesus' name, amen.